Everybody and welcome back to Bench Busted, a podcast where Jack and me talk about our fantasy teams and all the nonsense that goes on around it every single week. Although we're back now from a break over the Christmas sort of January period, seems like the footballers took a break anyway, so we thought we would too. As always, I'm joined by Jack. How are you doing today, Jack? Yeah, not too bad, as you say. You know, it's been a while. Um, it feels like it's been forever since there's been any Premier League football. You know, I think certainly. Game week 23, one of the longest, if not the longest uh, game week in, in FPL history, or certainly that's what it feels like. You know, it's been almost two weeks since we've last seen any Premier League action. Of course, there's been the African Cup of Nations, which has been keeping some of us uh, entertained. Certainly, I've been keeping half an eye on it in terms of uh, some of the FPL assets. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped and I'm ready to get back into it. I'm absolutely glad to hear it. I think it has been the longest game week in history because we're still in. Game week, is it 23? I think it's 23. We're still in game week 23. It hasn't ended. It's been going on forever. The only fixture that's left to play. So all the fixtures happened at the same time, except for this bonus fixture that's in it, which is Burnley versus Watford. It still hasn't happened as of time of recording. It's a couple of days away. I am I love this game week. It's been a very low scoring game week for everyone. Just found out. <laughs> But I've had some successes with some of my weirder punts, like keeping on Mount and Robertson got 11. Jota captains paid off. A lot of people went for uh, the Dennis captain because he obviously had two two games against reasonably weak teams. How did that pay off for, for you, Jack? Well, I didn't go for Dennis captain oh. in the end. I, I, I stuck the armband on Jota. I'm fairly certain that, that you, you must have known that because we had the lengthy discussions about that. But yeah, I, I did go with Jota and... The one thing that pains me about this game week is that I, I can never seem to get it right. I've told you this several times before on the podcast where I have sort of like that that five, those five midfielders in my team. It, it always seems to be making a decision between who to start between Bernardo Silva and Mason Mount. Now, this week I decided to leave Mason Mount on the bench because, of course, playing up against Tottenham, I, I didn't think that... I thought at least Tottenham were going to give them a good run for their money. And it turned out that, you know, Mason Mount got an assist, uh, picked up six points. And there's Bernardo Silva on my team who did nothing in, in their game. So, yeah, it is what it is. I, It's just one of those things, you know. All the other times where I've been benching Bernardo, I think there's... I think nine times out of ten I've gotten it right. And Mount has outscored Bernardo just slightly. But, uh, yeah, it's just uh, one of those things that had to happen. Unfortunately, I do have uh, Dennis in my team. Uh, so I am stuck there with that minus one uh, staring at me. But, you know, it could have been a lot worse if I had uh, captained him and, uh, you know, not had gotten the, uh, the the Jota assist points. Sorry, it's, it's all a complete chaos in my head. In my mind, I thought you'd captained him, but it's actually this guy who's second in sort of the mini league that we're both in that captained him because I'm obviously keeping an eye on you too. Even though you're about 100 points ahead of me, Jack, I still have these I'm, dreams. I'm not, man. I'm not. It's the the, the gap is The gap is being whittled away. I don't think I've had a green arrow in about six, seven, eight weeks, to be honest. So the gap is is slowly closing down. But we're getting into the business end of the season. We do have some, you know, double game weeks coming up as well and, and some teams blanking as well. So, you know, I think it's really going to be about who can navigate those the best and, and who can come out the other side uh, relatively unscathed. And, and that's a really nice segue into talking about the double game week announcements as well, where 
hopefully Jack it's an opportunity for you to gain some ground I feel like I've been gaining ground the whole time especially with as I say that the Robertson differential seeming to to pay off quite well I think it's short term still because it's only been two game weeks even though it's be it feels like in time it's been nearly a month but it feels like the wild card is has paid off or, or looks like it might pay off um, and we'll talk about the transfer strategy associated with that later but Onto the double game weeks. Um, for double game week 25, there's been a few announcements. For 25, it's been announced that Brighton and United will have an extra game against, obviously, each other. And for 26, um, there's a few more teams playing. Um, Burnley, Spurs, Watford, Crystal Palace, uh, Liverpool, Leeds and Arsenal Wolves. I think the highlight of all of this is obvious, right? Everyone's talking about it all over the place. In game week 26, Liverpool's first game was at home to Norwich. Their second rearranged game is now at home to Leeds. I don't think there's ever been, in in recent memory at least, thinking about it, a better case for using your triple captain or a more obvious triple captain than this. Um, what do you what do you make of it all, Jack? I, I think I think it's 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 clear cut, right? You get Salah in for his game against Norwich and his game against Leeds. You slap the triple captain on him and you just reap the rewards. Um, have you got an alternative view or is that sort of how you're thinking about it too? I, I, I think, you know, I've got to go with the crowd on this one, to be honest. I think, you know, when, I, I can't remember when it was, but I think it must have been about a month or two ago. There were murmurings uh, online about there being a potential double game week in, in game week 26 for Liverpool and they would go up against Norwich and Leeds. And I think at the time, everyone sort of looked at that and said, no, nah, that's, that's too good to be true. Surely that won't ever happen. But as you say, it has happened. And I think two home games against two sides who defensively haven't been great this season, I, I think it's an absolute no-brainer. I think if you still have your triple captainship, then it's an absolute prime opportunity to, to use it. You do, of course, have to bear in mind the fact that they are going to be taking part in the Carabao Cup final uh, during the following week. So in game week 27, they are going to be blanking. But I think that a lot of FPL managers are going to be in the same boat in terms of, you know, double up, triple up on the Liverpool players to try and target that double game week in 26. So, yeah, you know what? I'm I'm hyped and hopefully Salah can return with some massive, massive hauls. I, ho- I hope so too. But the, the questions that sort of come from this, the harder planning, the, the bits where, Jack, you're going to gain, you're going to make huge gains is when you pick the other players and your strategy around this sort of time. So... Regarding Liverpool, I think every single player in the game will have a triple, a Liverpool triple up and will be captaining a Liverpool player, um, even if they have a cup final four days later. I don't think it's that unusual for someone to, for them to play on a Saturday, then a Wednesday, then a Sunday. I think it is. It's, it's, not, it's not this huge stretch. And I suspect that the people who are talking online about how Liverpool isn't essential or the, the trio may not play all of the games are people who are in massive amounts of denial. Um, the the strategy will come with planning what to do after that because they obviously blank in in game week 27 immediately after their double. So thinking about what to do with your players and in picking the other players for the double game weeks. So the Man United players potentially in the double game week that they have previous to this one and on the face of it, maybe some Spurs, some Arsenal or you can dabble in sort of Leeds, Wolves, Watford if you want. Um, going in, going into the the game week twenty sixth double game week for them. So that's where the the money's going to be made. Personally, I think Regulon for me. I think Son is 
always part of my plans and this just makes them even more enticing. Have you been thinking about it at all? Are you sort of on any Spurs or Arsenal assets or even the weaker teams that have doubles? Well, I mean, so, so I'm certainly looking at it from the other perspective of not so much targeting Game Week 26 players who, who will play twice as, as much as looking at who you know, plays twice in game week 26 and then also plays in game week 27. Because if you want to bring in players uh, from the sort of, you know, maybe lesser owned players, shall we say, from teams who are, you know, maybe mid-table, then you want to make sure that they're not going to be them blanking in game week 27 as well. I think it's worth the punt on, on doing it with a triple Liverpool because I think on their day, you know, Liverpool could bang 10 goals in the space of two games, especially at home. Um, in in those two games that they do have, um, so I think it's worth doing that, and then trying to set up your team in the coming game weeks uh, to try and enable yourself to have you know at least ten or eleven players uh, in your t- in in your team who aren't blanking in game week twenty seven. Now the only teams that are blanking in game week twenty seven are of course Arsenal, Chelsea, Leicester, and Liverpool. So at the moment. I, I mean, I've got Mason Mount in my side, but he's an issue that I, I, I will get onto because obviously Chelsea have a bunch more blanks before the game week 27 blank. Uh, Arsenal, I've currently still only got Ben White, but again, you have to bear in mind that Arsenal also blank in game week 25 as well. So, you know, I think you have to be a bit cautious with when you make your moves. Um, I think I'm certainly looking at bringing in Son, bringing back Son at some point. Yes, I get it. He plays against Man City at the Etihad in that double game week 26, but they also play against Burnley. And, you know, Son has been pictured in training. Uh, Son has been deemed fit to play in the FA Cup game against Brighton. That happens this weekend. Uh, So, you know, it's looking like Son could be finding himself back in my team sooner rather than later. Uh, I do think... I think the Watford players may be a bit of a trap. Um, look, I, we, we've also had a bunch of like managerial in the ins and outs as well as, you know, obviously the transfer window shutting a few days ago. So I, I think, you know, with the new signings, with the new managers, you sort of maybe want to give it a game or two to try and gauge how the team is going to be playing football um, under new management. So, you know, the likes of Everton, as I say, the likes of Watford as well, you sort of just want to, maybe hold off just a bit but look I've got Dennis in my team if I can if I know that he's playing in game week 26 and then also not blanking in 27 albeit against Man United then I don't think there's necessarily a need to to, to shift away from him I do currently also own Cristiano Ronaldo and you know I was sort of in two minds about whether or not to keep him and then of course the game week 25 double got announced and, and I thought you know what I'm, I'm gonna go and probably just just stick with him until uh the double game week is over just because I don't feel like you know I, I don't want to take him out to avoid that double essentially but yeah I mean in terms of the other teams I mean maybe some of the Palace assets might might pique my interest I think you know planning for the future following on from Game Week 26, you know, we talked about this before we started recording, but Brentford certainly have a good run of free fixtures from Game Week 27 to, to 29 facing against Newcastle, Norwich and Burnley, who of course occupy the bottom three in the Premier League at the moment. And of course, Brentford's marquee signing in the uh, January transfer window was Christian Eriksen. And, and I think that he is, or oh, oh, certainly just, you know, the whole of the footballing world is so relieved to 
see him back and wanting to play football and you know seeing pictures of him training with the Ajax second team in preparation for for this move as well I think it was just a a very wholesome moment in terms of uh, the the transfer window so yeah so that's where I'm sort of at at the moment not not so much focusing on gaming 26 doublers as much as you know trying to have myself set up where I will be able to field a relatively strong side in game week 27. Ah, oh, you're so smart, Jack. You're really playing those advantages. <laughs> you, you, you want, and honestly, I think this is the best way to do it, to plan your weeks well ahead in advance and to give yourself room to manoeuvre as, as and when issues occur. Although I think that at some point during this massive long break we've had, the Premier League has come together with clubs to say that they're going to Make it harder. I think I don't really know or care too much about how the rules are, but you need positive tests now to make sure that your game is suspended. And I think it's going to make it a lot harder for teams to suspend their games. Um, so you mentioned Christian Eriksen. I think we should jump into this because he's come into the game in fi- at 5.5 mil, which I think is incredibly uh, enticing, inviting, um succulent I, I, whatever word you want to use <laughs> it's a, it's it's spicy isn't it and if he is playing games then for the good fixtures probably well worth worth a punt and there's a couple more who, who have come in and could be good options there's been some transfers among the league uh, Newcastle have bought everyone but I don't I don't care about Newcastle too much and and I think they're so rubbish that it's hard to tell if they'll they'll be good I'm interested in Weghurst, who has come from Wolfsburg to Burnley. Um, the only team that wanted him were Burnley because apparently he hasn't got a vaccine and Burnley don't care about that, which honestly, very Burnley sort of thing to do. Um, he's come in at 6.5 for a forward. And with the amount of game weeks that Burnley have, if he if he looks good and he is a very large man and Burnley do like a large man, then he could be a very enticing, I'm going to say it again, succulent option Jack <laughs> and the other chap who's, who's caught my eye and I can't say his name is Kuluzevsky uh, uh, yes yep. come in as a midfielder 6 million although at his old club and I honestly I read this and I cannot remember where he played who cares somewhere in Syria he played as part of a front two for a lot of his, a lot of his time and it's rumoured that he'll make up part of a front three at Spurs along with Son and Harry Kane which could be I mean Last season, even some of this season, we talked about how Jota was basically Salah or Mane for seven million less. Could Kulusevski be Son, but for six million? Right? Remains. What What do you reckon about these transfers? Is Is there anything else that's caught your eye? You know, some some team in Serie A, uh, aka Juventus. Ah, uh, it's all the same to me, mate. Just some team in in Serie A. No, I think he's I think he's a decent player. Um, from what I've seen of him at, at Juve, doesn't maybe score a lot of goals, but I know he's a very creative forward. Um, and I think now he can suit that Spurs side very well. And as you say, you know, coming into the game at 6 million, from a starting 11 perspective, I think it is going to be him and Lucas Moura who are going to be, uh, you know, sort of rotating and, and contesting for that spot on the right-hand side. I think that Son and Kane have more or less got their got their spots nailed down, uh, if I'm being completely honest. I think... One one of the more sort of interesting transfers, shall we say, uh, and and of course one of the uh, new managers coming back into the Premier League. Of course, Frank Lampard now at the helm uh, of Everton, um, and of course he was able to get the deal over the line to bring Deli Ali from uh, Tottenham 
to Everton. So I think that that's going to be a very interesting one. And I think that depending on the way that Frank Lampard wants to play, you know, when when he was at sort of Derby and, and Chelsea, he would tend to go with that sort of 4 2 3 1 or, or a 4 3 3. Uh, for the majority of the time. And I think playing in a 4-2-3-1 system, if he is able to slot in behind the likes of Calvert-Lewin, then I think that he could maybe reinvigorate his his career and, and perhaps be vying for a spot in the England squad uh, when we could get to the World Cup later on this year. But it's a very big if, because I know that Deli Ali perhaps hasn't been favoured as much ever since uh, Pochettino left Spurs. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting, but I think that he could be... He could be one to keep an eye on if uh, if Lampard can get him ticking over again. I I love what you did. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's a big if because Deli Ali isn't actually that good at football. But <laughs> <laughs> I I I think we've said this maybe once a year for for a couple of years now, <laughs> where every time Deli Ali comes up, every time there's a new manager at Spurs or now he's got a move. We're like, oh, you know what? If Deli Ali can just be better at football, he might be a good option. I'd love to see it. I, I think he has tried so hard to get into teams and he always struggles. But I, I'm not holding my breath on that one. I'm not holding my breath on Everton in general because that's some news that's come up recently. Obviously, Lampard's taken over the reins there. Personally, I don't think he's the right manager for Everton. I know a lot of people are very down on him online. and I'm not that down on him, but I don't really see how he can improve that team. Um, I don't think you mentioned Donny van der Beek there, who's also at Everton. Absolutely another option that's worth watching. Um, he was good. He was good enough in his cameos at United. I don't know why he doesn't get games. He doesn't know why he doesn't get games. He scored the last goal of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's managerial reign, which always makes me feel good. <laughs> but you're, you're so right. They are absolutely wait and sees, especially seeing as Everton don't have doubles or anything coming up. So... We, we have, we and same for Brentford, I suppose, as well, where we have the time to wait and see, just to, just, to, just to get a feel for how it's all shaking out and then to maybe make our moves later on when hopefully we've thought about this strategy, we've banked some transfers and it doesn't cost us hits and it makes us uh, our moves very profitable and it helps us climb league tables, Jack. That's what I want to do. I want to climb league tables. And I want to, what was it? A hundred points behind you? Easy. I'll catch that. The gap between me and you in in our mini league has been slowly but surely being uh, reduced. So I mean, I'm, I'm keeping one eye, I'm keeping one eye over my shoulder. But to be honest, like it's been weird and it's been a bit sort of refreshing, should I say, to not actually have to worry about anything to do with FPL over the last couple of weeks because yeah, because of how long Game Week 23 has gone on for, you know, sort of allowed us to just take a step back and, and wait for these doubles to be announced. And, and yeah, I've been sort of, uh, you know, just taking my mind away from it. But I can't wait to get back into it because I know that the games will be coming thick and fast uh, very soon. But uh, yeah, I'm going to try and enjoy the last couple of days of uh, freedom, as it were. Well, you haven't got long in your freedom. I think you, you've you only got Foster left to play. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I've got Foster in goal. I started him ahead of uh, Emmy Martinez. And if, of course, Foster doesn't play which is what I'm sort of hoping for, then then Emmy Martinez would, would come off the bench for five points. So Isn't it the dream? It's also sort of where I'm at, where I'm looking at a six points from De Gea on the bench too. Um, I don't think that was a bad decision from us. It's just happened to be that Foster had COVID and didn't tell anyone until after the deadline had passed. The, che- the cheeky devil. He knew what he was doing. He tweeted 
that he was missing the game almost immediately after the deadline, which I found funny. So lots of planning to do, lots of strategy. We've talked about the double game weeks. We've talked about all the new transfers, all the players to watch, although there's loads more. I want to ask you, Jack, what's your plan? You said that you've got something going on with Mason Mount at the moment. Oh, I I have no idea what my plan is, if I'm being completely honest. I mean, yeah, as you say, look, Mason Mount with Chelsea, what is it? They're going to be going off to the Club World Cup. Um, they're going to be, you know, featuring in, in the Carabao Cup finals as well. Um, I am, I am not good. I'm not keeping him essentially is what I'm saying. You know, he has been there and, and he is that sort of player that I'm looking to downgrade to, you know, a sort of playing 4.5 million, uh, midfielder who will then, you know, that, that will then allow me to sort of spread the funds elsewhere. And if, and if I do choose to maybe go change my formation a bit i'm currently running with like a 352 or a 343 um i am looking to maybe shift a bit towards a 442 because i think that you know with the way that the that the defenders have been playing this season i think it certainly points to you know going a bit having a bit more invested in your back line i think Mason Mount is definitely someone on the chopping block, as is the likes of Bernardo Silva as well. You know, these two players who I mentioned earlier, you know, they've been the sort of fawn in my side over the last God knows how many weeks where I've just been rotating the two of them. Um, and I mean, it's nine times out of ten it's worked out, but I just feel like, you know, with the three strikers up top as well, having five mid-priced playing midfielders is perhaps not the best way to go. I mean, obviously with... The likes of COVID and injuries and everything, it's always been good to, you know, have some cover uh, from that point of view. But I think now when we're getting down to the nitty gritty parts of the season, it's time to, you know, say goodbye to maybe Mount and, and maybe Bernardo. I think I'm certainly going to be waiting to see how Son plays against Brighton in the FA Cup. I think I'm certainly going to be wait, waiting until... Uh, after the FA Cup fixtures to to make any of my changes because, of course, you know, who knows what will happen between now and then in terms of COVID and injuries. But, yeah, I think that Mason Mount is definitely someone that needs to go. Bernardo Silva's potentially on the chopping block. I think I can hold off on getting rid of Ronaldo for at least one or two more weeks. And I think that as well with, I think, Egypt are playing tonight against Cameroon in the, uh, in the second semi-final. Of course, Senegal... Uh, wait for them in the final of the African Cup of Nations. But even if Egypt were to lose that game, then their third and fourth place playoff is going to be uh, taking place on on the same day just before the final. So Salah will be playing on the 6th. The game week starts on the 8th and Liverpool don't play until the 10th. So I, I don't know if Salah and Mane, for that matter, will be back and training and fit in time for Liverpool's next game. So I think that Holding off on bringing back Salah for just one more game week isn't necessarily the the, the worst thing in the world. I I agree. I think that the, yeah, it's it's hard to say. There's a lot of planning online. A lot of people are talking about what they'll do in X scenario, Y scenario, or Z scenario with, with the, the Salah situation in Egypt in particular. So what I'm going to do, Jack. I'm just going to wait until it's all played out and then make my decisions based on what people say in press releases and things like that. Um, as for your Bernardo problem. I did want to mention this, actually, when you brought it up earlier. I think now is an appropriate time to do that. I know that a lot of people are attributing Bernardo's sort of drop-off in goal scoring, drop-off in assists or whatever, to KDB's return. But 
I don't think that's the case. What I think has actually happened is Bernardo has just regressed to the mean. I mean, he was overperforming to begin with. He wasn't. He was scoring a lot of goals with 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 uh, quite difficult chances, and I don't think it was ever going to last. And it's easy to say with hindsight, but I think that this isn't a case of KDB stealing all of his goals and his minutes and things like that, because even KDB's goals have been quite fortunate, to be honest. I think it's more of a case of Bernardo just being what Bernardo's been for the rest of like the last two years or three years, where he hasn't been that assister, that goal scorer for Man City. And that's been fine because of the work he does on the pitch. It's just it's just different. Um, whereas popped up with a few goals and that was that was lucky that was fortunate whatever for him and um, so we've heard sort of your plans sort of your thinking although it does sound like it's very much in the air i i will tell you what i'm doing which is the same as i've been doing for the last <laughs> i've always been it's always the same plan with me but i'm planning to sell mount for son um and it will just be easier if son a doesn't get injured against brighton and b slaps brighton up and I'm going to wait and see on the Salah news. And if, if Salah isn't back yet, I'll hold Jota. If Salah's back, I'll sell Jota for Salah. It's as simple as that. I'll wait until Salah's already and available. And then I'm just going to sweat, straight swap Jota to Salah. Um, I say straight swap. Obviously, Salah costs a lot more money. But I've just got eight and a half mil in the bank waiting to do this. <laughs> I'm loaded. I'm actually I'm minted. Start telling people, Jack. I'm minted. So <laughs> I'll be doing that immediately. I just can't see any other plans at the moment. And I saw I saw a really interesting strategy where people sort of identify the three players that they want to get rid of in their squad or are worried about in their squad um, and and looking at that as like a way to plan for the future. Personally, I'm looking at my Man City midfielder who doesn't perform, Phil Foden, and I'm thinking, oh, you've got Brentford at home and then Norwich and then Tottenham and Everton. You're in, you're staying because... I think Man City's fixtures are just so good. So there is even an argument there, Jack, if, if you want. You can try, you can roll that dice on Bernardo and just see if you get lucky, which you could do. Like, I'm not saying that like, he can't score goals and won't assist. You could just absolutely slap out some big Bernardo returns there. Um, I'm certainly holding holding Foden for the same sort of reasons. But I'm also looking at my Watford striker, King. I suppose you may be looking at Dennis. I'm looking at Watkins. You You said you have DCL, right? Um, and I'm looking at Regulon, who I don't think you have, but didn't play a single minute in his in his last Premier League game. And I'm thinking, boy, I'd like to just give these guys a little bit of a of a boot. Give give them, get, you know, move on a couple of these lads, but nothing's set in stone. And and I just, I really just don't think I'm planning on making any big or drastic changes because I don't think I need to. I think these guys will eventually start ticking over and providing sort of some sort of value. And the only way I see this going is up for me, which I'm very happy about. Don't want to brag. Don't want to, <laughs> don't want to bring you down. <laughs> I mean, I I think from my perspective, I think the sort of, I wouldn't say sensible, but maybe the safer option is only to get rid of Mason Mountain this week and then hold. So I've got two free transfers. I've got 2.1 million in the bank. If I could, I would go straight from Mount to Son, but I can't. So that's why I'm sort of thinking, well, if I get rid of Mount, I've had my eyes on Jacob Ramsey at Aston Villa. I know that there's been a couple of uh, new additions into the Aston Villa side in, in the transfer window, but I do still think that Ramsey, you know, based on his performances so far this season and, and the fact that I think that Gerard really likes him as a player, 
I think that he has more or less nailed down a starting spot in that squad nine times out of ten. And I think for someone who's only 4.6 million in the game, you know, for me, going down from Mason Mount to, to Jacob Ramsey saves me three million. And, and then if I was to just roll the extra transfer going into next week, it will then allow me to bring back the likes of Salah uh, whilst also still keeping Ronaldo. Um, and, you know, obviously I would have to get rid of potentially Jota. Uh, I am looking at bringing in Robertson, as I think a lot of other FPL managers are looking at doing. Um, but yeah, you know, I could just roll the transfer this week, set myself up to be in a better position uh, going into game week 25. And then, of course, following on from that game week 26 as well. So I think that that's looking the most likely option. I think that what it does do as well is it casts that sort of doubt out of my mind as to who do I bench out of Mason Mount and Bernardo Silva. There's been some worrying news, I think, earlier today, uh, just uh, in some of the press conferences leading up to the FA Cup, that, of course, I think Calvert-Lewin picked up a bit of a knock in training as uh, and, and uh, Rafinha, I think, when he was away on international duty, picked up a bit of a knock playing for Brazil as well. So, you know, those two players in my side, that sort of uh, just solidifies the fact that, you know, downgrading Mason Mount to someone like Ramsey to have sat on my bench who... Looks like he's going to be playing the majority of the games for the rest of the season for that Aston Villa side. I think that that's just the, you know, the the safe thing to do at this moment in time. I entirely agree. You've got to sort out the fires when you get them right. And uh, oh, well, we'll talk about why I think someone could be great in a second. Um, we've talked about all these double game weeks. We talked about the planning, but between now and then, there's actually just game week twenty four. It just happens. It just it just happens. It's a game week. People play some games next week. There's no doubles. There's going to be no cancellations, knock on wood. And it's the first normal game week that we've had in in the longest time. In the longest time. The only teams blanking, of course, being um, Brighton and Chelsea because Chelsea are off to the, the Club World Cup. But because we've known about that for a long time, it feels like everyone's sort of planned enough around it or has at least thought about what they'll do um, in some way. I'll run through the fixtures real quickly. There's... Um, because it's it's a weird game week. It's one of those midweek game weeks that sort of lead into us eventually getting back to weekend football um, that isn't the FA Cup or watching a crap international team be bad. Um, on Tuesday, Newcastle play Everton, West Ham play Watford, Burnley play Man United. On Wednesday, Man City play Brentford, Norwich host Palace, Spurs host Southampton and Aston Villa host Leeds. And on Thursday, Liverpool play Leicester and Wolves play Arsenal. So, a bit of a mixed bag of fixtures where the big teams or the the three big teams that we're thinking about assets from are all playing at home. Liverpool play at home against Leicester, Spurs play at home against Southampton, Man City play at home against Brentford. And for the first time in a long time, Jack, it feels like the captaincy decisions are going to be meaningful. And I, I think they're meaningful in some ways, sort of last week and, and the week before, but the majority still did the same thing, you know, Dennis captain or whatever, or or Jota captain. It was all still pretty similar or Ronaldo before that. Whereas this week, with Man City at home to Brentford and Liverpool at home to Leicester and Spurs to Southampton, it feels like any of the Man City midfielders are options, except maybe obviously Bernardo, Gundogan, those sorts. <laughs> For Spurs, Kane and Son both feel very realistic options, provided that they're fit and available to play. And for Liverpool... The same can be said. I mean, I'm not one to, to captain a defender because you can never really predict their returns, but Jota's definitely going to play that game against Leicester. 
and Trent and Robbo aren't bad options themselves. So it's, there's some juicy fixtures there that we're all excited for. And it comes down to this captaincy decision, Jack. Where are you lying on that? Because obviously you could want to get Son in early to slap the captaincy on him for the Southampton game. That seems pretty realistic. I mean, that's, that would be, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I'm, I'm going to wait, like I said earlier, wait and see how he performs. He's just been out for, you know, about a month with with, a, with an injury. And, and I think that it has showed, you know, although Spurs have gone on a, a good unbeaten run, but it has shown in terms of their goal-scoring exploits that perhaps they do miss that sort of attacking threat down the left-hand side and that sort of link-up play. Uh, between Son and Kane that they have lacked over the last uh, couple of game weeks. But I I just want to wait. Um, as you say, I could pull the trigger on him early. I mean, it would certainly make captaincy decision a hell of a lot easier um, from, from where I'm looking at it. At the moment, I haven't got a clue about where the captain's armband may end up. Um, you know, I mean, I've got Ronaldo in the team. They go away from home against Burnley, a Burnley side who, you know, have barely played any football over the last month or two. Um, but Ronaldo, again, has not really lit the world on fire since uh, moving back to to um, Manchester United. So I don't know. I don't know where I'm at. The, the, the big punt would be, of course, on Bernardo Silva. Jota again is a good option. I I don't really, I, I do not have any sort of glaringly obvious standout captaincy choices in my head at the moment. I mean, another one, another sort of maybe semi punt could be Jao Cancelo. You know, we we've seen how far forward he gets. We we know he he loves to have a shot on goal. We know. You know, he's having a fantastic season in terms of uh, his attacking output and, and the amount of assists that he's getting as well. And I think that, you know, he has solidified himself as one of the starting fullbacks in that side, you know, whether it be on the left or right hand side. So I do think that Cancelo is a good option as an outside shout. Again, as you say, though, that's it's the trouble with putting the captain's armband on a, uh, on a defender. You, you know, it, it could pay off really, really well. But if they concede a goal and don't do anything in the game, then, you know, you're staring down the barrel of, you know, just a plain old boring four-pointer. But, yeah, I I, I honestly have no idea where I'm at at the moment. Gosh, uh, me neither. Although, depending on how he plays, I think Son could be the pick for me. I agree. I think picking a defender is so risky because you can't predict their points. They do get good points, but you just can't predict them. And at the end of the, the season, they do just have less points, fewer points than sort of the premium midfield options, because on average, the premium midfield options score more score more points. So it would make sense to pick uh, high scorers rather than sort of punt wildly on games that, especially like Leicester, where you can just imagine Madison spanking one in from 40 yards just, just in the 90th minute to spite us. And I, I can fully imagine that. I can fully... Imagine that happening. So, But you can also imagine Jota scoring a hat-trick in the first five minutes. So it's one of those where I'm going to pick a midfielder and it's going to be a complete toss-up between Jota, Son and Foden. Personally, I think it'll probably end up being Son. But you never know, do you? You never know. Jota could, uh, could take it at the end. So I'm a bit more clued up on mine, I think. that that, that That's what I'm saying. I'm a bit more bit more aware. I am so happy for you. I, I, I am just filled with joy that you are comfortable with who you think you're going to captain this week. I, I didn't even mention Man United because uh, you've obviously got Ronaldo and he's a captaincy option away to Burnley. 
But United, just look, they're going to play against the backdrop of news that we haven't touched on, that I don't really want to touch on too much, um, where Mason Greenwood has been arrested um, for offences, <laughs> for, for suspected rape and abuse, um, and won't be playing football for Man United ever again, hopefully, um, or anyone else for that matter, and will hopefully do jail time. But Man United will be playing against that backdrop of, of sort of that's happened over the last few weeks with that story as it's developed. And it could be quite a difficult atmosphere um, to be a player in. And it could be that they have these quite lethargic, slow, low energy games where no one's really up for it, which could result in quite shock results or, or low scoring results, um, I'll say. I don't. I don't think they're going to be lethargic against Burnley. They've just had bloody two weeks off, mate. <laughs> I understand this whole thing that's gone on with Greenwood, and I, and I get that that maybe might play on some of the players' minds. But I don't think they're going to be lethargic at all. So you're saying Ronaldo's going to bang, mate? Uh, well, no, I'm not saying they're going to bang, but I'm saying that I don't, I don't think that they're going to be perhaps as slow paced as, as you're suggesting. I, I well, I was also going to say that they have been slow paced in their games under Rangnick already because they can't pass so they, they can't pass the ball very well which sort of stops them playing good football yeah I 100% agree and I think that that's the sort of risk with going with any Manchester United asset at the moment and I think as I mentioned earlier the only reason I'm sort of holding on to Ronaldo as it were is because of the fact that they do have that double game week on the horizon um, and I think at the moment although you know obviously he's taking up so much of my funds I do think it would be maybe a bit foolish to to get rid of him uh, just a couple of weeks before the Manchester United double so I think that he's definitely going to be making his way out of my team um, in in a couple of weeks time there's no doubt about that but I think for now I'm just going to hold him whether or not I give him the captain's armband he's not yeah again he goes back to that old adage of if he if he has, if he had been in, you know, a rich vein, a rich vein of form, and if he had scored, you know, four in his last three prior to the uh, prior to the international break, then it would have been fantastic, and you know, I would have slapped the armband on him straight away. But he's not really done a lot over the last, uh, well, over the entire season, really, um, to to you know, warrant me to start even thinking about putting a captain's armband on him. But it is against Burnley a side who perhaps won't put up much resistance um, and Ronaldo on his day can, you know, score a hat-trick easily. Yeah, he, he certainly can. Although it's interesting to see, I suppose, talking about sort of not FPL, um, Ronaldo and Messi both sort of struggling to find form at their, their new and respective clubs. And maybe we're very slowly ushering in the end of their reign of terror, um, <laughs> <laughs> the end of their supremacy in football. Which is, uh, it's, it's probably going to be quite sad to see. It's probably going to be quite sad to see. Um, more so with Messi, who actually, between you and me, Jack, I, I spent a little bit of time watching old Messi videos on YouTube recently, um, <laughs> who was a god at football. And it's such a shame we never got to, it's, it's, it's honestly a real shame that we never got to argue about whether a 16 million Messi would be worth it um, in, in, in fantasy Premier League football. Personally, Oh, I don't want to start this argument. I was just going to say, I think he would be worth it. Um, but it's all, it's, it's never going to happen, is it? Let's be honest. So on that note, I think we'll, we'll end the podcast here. There's lots of decisions to be made, lots of planning to happen. But first of all, we've got to keep our eye on what's going on at AFCON, who is returning and when, and, and who is who is generally fit after the FA Cup. You never know. Spanner could be completely thrown in the works. 
And we've got to usher in the end of, of Game Week 23 eventually. So come back next time. Catch us next time where we'll hopefully have more of an idea about our teams. Jack will have made some exciting, crazy transfers off the back of a Ronaldo <laughs> hat trick or something. Um, and, and hopefully we'll return to some sort of FPL normality. 